Well, today uh, I get the pleasure of, of speaking to you and revealing what the Scripture has put forward. Um, Greg is in Moab today, um, taking a well-deserved uh, break for a little bit with his wife, Christy. And so, some theologians have said that the Scripture that I'll talk about today is Romans 8, 31-39, is the sunlit summit of the Bible. Interesting, right? But it is that when you're out hiking and you all of a sudden see that gorgeous peak. We were driving to Santa Fe last week and there were storms all around us and there was one peak that was lit by the sun and all the rest was gray around us. And it was a majestic sight. It was amazing. And that's what some people are calling this portion of Romans 8 is the sunlit summit. And I'll explain why because it is the exhorting part of the Bible that, te- that just encourages us I feel as, about as much as anything else. Some theologians think more than others. So up to this point, we've gone through Romans 1 through 8. Um, Bible Hub, when I was doing some of my re- uh, research, did a succinct summary of what we've learned so far. I'll share it with you. In chapters 1 through 8, Paul explains the found, uh, fundamentals and foundations of the Christian faith. This is the gospel message, which all believers are commanded to share with the entire world. Some of the most popular and precious memorized uh, passages about salvation can be found in the first several chapters of Romans. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 Paul teaches us about the sinful nature of all men in the eyes of God, justification by faith in Jesus Christ, freedom from sin, and victory in Christ. How awesome is that? I mean, we're in Romans, we're learning all of these things. There's also a lot of responsibility, though. Sometimes it's a little daunting to know what's called upon us to represent Christ, that we are part of that. So, I'm going to go back to verse 28. So, if you're following in your Bible, we'll be at Romans 8, 28, because some Bibles break it there, some uh, put that as a section, including into the last portion, others break it at 31, but I'm going to go back. And we know that in all things God works for good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. Do you hear what's being said there? God picked you. If you're a believer, God picked you. He wants you on His team. If you read the E-Pastor News, I talked about kickball or tug-of-war or whatever teams when you're in the, on the playground. Were you the first picked or the last picked? Well, this time, God's picking you first. He's picking each one of us first. He gets first pick, He chooses you. He wants you as a representative, as an ba- ambassador, He finds you worthy. Sometimes even when we don't find ourselves worthy. That's why Christ came. We are so important that He glorifies us. That last part, those He justified, He also glorified. So He glorifies us. Wait, we're supposed to glorify Him. But if we're not glorifying to Him, we can't glorify Him. I mean, that's just, so He has to glorify us. So he has to make us right. He has to get us current with the way that he wants us to be. So now moving into, cha- into verse 31. 
I have a tendency to say chapter when I mean verse. I did this a couple times in the last sermons I've given. But verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? And when he says these things, he's not referring just to Romans 8. He's referring to the entire Roman letter. Okay, the book of Romans, the epistle of Romans, it's long. Just imagine if that was the letter you got at Christmas from your grandma. (laughs) It's one letter. It's long. (laughs) I mean, and so he's talking about everything because there's no numbers. There's no system like we have. There's no headers. There's none of that when he writes a letter. He's just writing out a letter. And, um, and so that is, he's referring to all of eight. That's why I shared that summary before it. And if we continue in 31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? God picked us. We know he's for us. So who can be against us? Who can take us away from God? I think of three. First, I'm going to start with ourselves. When we decide to sin, we mess up everything else. But let's look at Romans 7, 18, 19. This was last week, or three weeks ago. For I know that God, it's, uh, good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So even Paul continued to do the things he didn't want to do, just like our sinful nature. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. And our flesh decides or tries to get us to go down the path that we're not supposed to go on. But then also we have Satan knocking at the door all the time, speaking to us. So in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We all are together. We're here to be accountable. to. We help each other through accountability partners. We are helpful to each other. That's why we're here today. We're here with other believers so that we can see how we're supposed to be, so we can be lifted up by the others. We do so much better when we commune together than when we're by ourselves. It's easier to get attacked when you're by yourself. This reminds us that we are together. And then finally, the world. James 4.4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? You're an enemy of God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The world is corrupt. It's a fallen world. We know that. It's in Genesis. There's a lot of TV, commercials, different things um, that we see at all times that it's changed over time and it's just more and more corrupt. And, it, and it's more, I don't know, it just uh, doesn't follow what the Bible says. Let's just put it that way. Um, there's a lot of changes in the world and they continue to try and get us to do the popular thing or to reduce our morals to be, oh, well, everybody's doing it, so it must be okay. And we're not commanded to do that. So God is for us. Do we believe it? Okay, you do? All right. Well, we're going to do a little chant.
Because this is exhorting. Exhorting is cheerleader, right? So we're going to do a little, we're going to go. We're going to change that verse we just read that God is for us. Who can be against us? We're going to change it. God is for me. Who can be against me? Okay? So everybody all together. God is for me. Who can be against me? Let's do it again. God is for me. Who can be against me? Are you believing it yet? Everybody? Okay, let's do it one more time. I'm not getting confidence here. God is for me. Who can be against me? Okay. All right. Are we good? Okay. All right. Keep chanting that all week long. Okay, so David writes in Psalm 27, 1 through 3, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. We have to have that confidence that God will have our enemies stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Do you have this level of confidence in the Lord's love for you? Okay, all right, just checking. Okay, so David earlier in in Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, some say shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Okay? We have to live in that. We have to live that we should not fear if we have God. God has chosen you. He's for you. That's where we're going. Okay? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay? You're with God forever. He chose you. He's not going to separate from you. Okay? And just in case you need more proof that he loves you, let's just go back to Romans 5.8. And I think it's the best. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Me. You. Each one of us that believes. Christ died for us. Okay? A little amen there, maybe? Okay. Christ died for us. Okay? This is, this is unbelievable to me. I mean, there are times that I go, why did you pick me, God? But He picked us. He picked each one of us. For our own talents, our own reasons, He equips us. He wants us to be His stewards that carry the message out into this world on His behalf. That's scary. But it's energizing. I mean, it it blows me away every day when I wake up and I go, God, you chose me? I'm a sinner. But you chose me? You want me to go out and profess who you are to others? Okay, I've got a task ahead. I better do it. He wants you. He loves you. He gave up His Son for you as a sinner, which is an enemy of God. Could you imagine giving up a son, a daughter, a spouse, 
Okay, take that back. No. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, a pet, anything. Would you allow them to be killed for your enemy? Think about that. Would you do that for your enemy? Probably not. But he did. Because he loves you that much that he wants you as part of his family. He's a, we are co-heirs of forever. You know, and, and I think it was Brad that said we are eternal beings. We get to choose up or down. Luckily, God chose us to be up. Go, heaven is eternal. Hell is eternal. We are eternal, eternal spirits. That's a reality. Verse 32. I just said it, but he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, us all. He will be not, uh, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So when you get into that situation where it's a little sticky, or you're supposed to profess, or you don't know how you're going to get through something, isn't he going to give that to you? He gave you salvation through his son's blood. He's going to walk you through it. It may not look the way you want, because when we read in 28, it's for good, it's our good, but our good isn't always what we interpret as good. Um, sometimes we have to go through trials. Sometimes we have to go through things that we don't want to go through. Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one. Grab a hymnal, uh, please, and go to page 881. Should be a familiar place for a lot of us. Some of us not so familiar. But I want to read the Apostles' Creed together. The traditional version. The reason I had you get it from the, from the hymnal is because we've all learned it a little different or some of us have learned it a little different. Let's just read it exactly how it's written. Um, and we'll stop at the word dead. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and he sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. So he's judging the living and the dead. That's what the Apostle Creed says. And that's what I learned as a kid. And that, I grew up Presbyterian. That's the version we learned. Um, and so I focused on to be the judge. That Christ was there to be the judge. And so I had to deal with the judgment. And I never really understood how Christ died for me and how that worked. But, today, but this week while I was studying, I, I saw something new for the first time. It's, ver, it's the continuation of 34 of Romans 8. Christ, Jesus, who died, referring back to the Apostles' Creed, more than that, he was raised to life. 
He conquered death so that we could conquer death. Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's not sitting up there going, ooh, I got him this time. He's going, God, I know, I know their heart. I know they screwed up, but you got to keep them. I mean, how many times have you had a job or another place that you've, somebody might be coming to the manager, might be going to the boss and saying, we need to get rid of this hot Yahoo. He's really messed things up. And, and, you know, or the boss wants to fire somebody and the manager steps in and says, he does great 99% of the time. Give him another chance. Give him another chance. And that's what Jesus does. He sits there at the right hand going, all right, I know Chris has messed up again, but um, he's going to be good for you. Keep him going. He's doing that for us, each of us. So he's not sitting there in judgment. He's sitting there in interceding. Some verses that talk about interceding is 1 Timothy 2, 5-6. through 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Everyone. Even the ones that don't believe yet, or may not even choose to believe, he still gave himself for them. They just may not receive it. Hebrews 7, 24-25. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He now sits there and intercedes. That's his job from heaven. He intercedes. He keeps, keeps working for us. And 1 John 2, 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Everyone. I mean, it's hard to imagine. I just, that somebody's there for each of us going, they're good. I made them good. They're not good in their own power. There's no way any of us are worthy of eternal life on our own. We have to sacrifice ourselves before Him and just lay on our knees and get prostrate down before and just, just sit there and say, God, I'm not worthy. Christ, I need Your blood to help me, to reconcile me to heaven, to reconcile me to eternity with You. In verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Should trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. This is just affirmation that being a Christian is not going to be easy. It's never told to us that it's going to be easy. There is going to be those things. It's going to be danger, nakedness, famine, persecution. We don't see the sword as much here. But we have school shootings, other places where people have said, I'm a Christian. We see it in, we're seeing it with ISIS right now. People are strong enough to say, I am a Christian. I am a Christ follower. I believe Christ is my Savior. 
knowing that death is the end of that sentence. That's hard. And I pray that in that moment, if I ever face that moment, I will have the strength to do the same. And I hope that you could too. John 16.33 adds, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Jesus tells us there will be trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the beautiful part. Christ overcame the world. He's in us, therefore we can overcome the world. Thank you. It's pretty amazing that we have the power to overcome the world through Christ. And then later Paul talks about his whole list of his light afflictions, as he calls them, as he gets whipped and stoned and shipwrecked and prison and everything else, light afflictions, because he has a perspective that uh, as long as this is going for Christ's kingdom advancement, these are just light little things that happen along the way. This isn't a big deal. He's been left for dead three or four times. And as we learned in Acts, he goes back into the city after he got stoned and just keeps preaching. Doesn't go, I'm moving on. You know, he's going right back into the fire. You know, we saw it in Daniel with um, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego when they go into the furnace and they just dance in the furnace because they know Christ is going to protect them. We see it in the lion's den. We see it all throughout the Bible that they go into these positions of things that they should be their, their end and they come to the other side. But there are martyrs who do perish. But there's, that's still a victory. If you're in Christ and you die, woohoo! This is, that's a good reward. Heaven is awesome, is what I've been told. I haven't been there. But I believe it is for real. So, but it's awesome. So the question was, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The answer is found in 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's huge. I mean, nothing can separate us. He's called us. He wants you on His team. So lucky for us, God's character toward His chosen is better than His character toward some of the unchosen of the Old Testament. But for us, He's chosen us. So we're going to go with the character found in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not uh, treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as from the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from me. From us. So, when we're beating ourselves up, back when we go back to the things that cause us, what are our enemies? Ourselves. 
our past, our sin, our things when we mess up. We allow those things to stir in us, don't we? We're the hardest, we're the hardest people to forgive ever is ourselves. And it can be tiny. It can be little things. And we just harbor that. And we just do it. God doesn't. When we sin, he goes, all right, put it over there, but I'm going from that direction. And it'll never hit each other. That's what he remembers of our sin. We hold on to it way longer. So get in the habit of repenting when you do sin. God wants you to to fall on your knees again and say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I messed up. But do I like these trials that we get put in our lives? Of course not. Nobody likes trials. Everybody wants it to be easy. Everybody wants it to be easy. But again, let's go back to Romans 5, 3 and 5, 3 to 5. Not only so, but we are also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay. I didn't have that on the back of the bulletin. I didn't get as organized as Greg is with all the scripture and stuff. But you need to write this one down. Romans 5, 3 through 5. This is one that should be a memory verse. I'm going to learn it too. I'm not there yet. I'll read it again. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have hope. Do we have hope in ourselves? Who do we have hope in? Love of God, Jesus, you got it. You don't, you know, you have to believe that the sacrifice of Jesus is what it is. It's huge. If, it, if it's just, oh, uh, you know, it's okay. You need to investigate your heart. It's, it's the most crucial part of this. You know, I was thinking about that suffering and the perseverance and the hope and the whole thing. How many people have either hiked or done some athletic thing or given up, uh, kicked an addiction or uh, schoolwork? Um, it's a lot of work. You're out hiking or athletes. I see one nodding his head right there. A lot of people. I mean, I mean you're just going and you're like, oh, this peak is never going to get here. It's ne- my, I'm blistered, which is really bad for a shoe guy, but um, I'm blistered and uh, uh, I've done it. I have brand new pair of boots. I tell everybody never to do it. I think I'm better than that, I guess. I don't know. But go out, hike, do it, and you're like, I'm never going to get there, but then you get to the top. You've made your goal and the suffering was worth it. Right? That's the feeling we want to get to. Or the homework was so heavy and so hard and everything else, and then you get your, pe- your paper back or the te- you pass the test with an A or you do whatever, you put everything into it. And it was so hard, but that's that feeling, that feeling of accomplishment, that feeling of the suffering was worth it. That's where we want to get to with our suffering. We know that we have Christ, and Christ powers us and empowers us, gives us the strength to endure all. 
And so we, have to, we go through some of these trials and we just forge on knowing that we have the hope, that we know God is putting us through this. He's building our character sometimes. Not fun, I will admit. Sometimes character building is not a fun place to be. But it's necessary. So, to take home, I've got five little points just for you to take home. Quick and easy. One, most important one, God picked you. Everybody here. I'm not, there's nobody I would say, no, you're almost on the team. You're playing JV. No, you're varsity. Every one of you. In the most crucial, you might be the quarterback of the football team, the shortstop, the setter, I don't know, setter or bumper. I'm not sure in volleyball which one's more important, but they're both important. But you are a very important role in God's kingdom. You have a very important role. And he asked you to be his ambassador. Two, he wants you on his team. Three, don't listen to Satan's lies and don't listen to your own lies. Don't wallow in your mistakes. Let them go, repent. And God loves you. Number four, no one can condemn you to Jesus Christ. No one can condemn you. They can tell you all the kinds of things that they want to say about you, but no one gets to condemn you to Jesus Christ. You have a purpose. You have a reason. God made you exactly how you're supposed to be. And last, be bold in your witness for Christ. He will provide and prevail through you. You are the messenger to a fallen world. We don't have enough churches in Gunnison County to fit everybody in Gunnison County in them for services. Let's make that a problem. We don't have enough seating for 5,000 people in, Gunnison, in the city limits of Gunnison to fit in our churches. Let's make that a problem. Talk to your friends. Invite your friends. Be bold. When people ask, how are you happy? I have strength in Christ. I have seen so many overwhelming, strong people through a lot of horrible situations lately. But they rest in that God is theirs. And God is helping them. And they rest in Christ. And they have that hope. And I just ask for you to do that. Have hope. Have hope and know that God is for you. Amen. I think we're going to finish with a hymn. Uh, it's 577, I believe. I don't... Nope. Oh, I have an old bulletin up here. <laughs> That just almost got me. Okay, good. <laughs>
right, uh, let's go ahead and form our circle, square around the edges here. Got a couple of announcements uh, quickly. Uh, one is, um, I'm sorry I, I threw a lot of verses at you guys today. Um, if you would like to know what they were, um, please see me after the service. I can give you the list, or I can even just give you my notes if you're the only one. You can have the, and see, then you can critique if I followed it or not. So, um, And then also, we are having a rough time finding ushers um, for Sundays. Um, and so I would ask, out on the bulletin board to my left, there is a sign-up for ushers. There's a sign-up for Zacchaeus dinner still, and then also next Saturday is the men's breakfast. Um, we need to get a count for that so we know who's going to be attending so we get the right num- amount of food um, for that. Um, otherwise, it uh, becomes bre- uh, men's coffee instead of breakfast. So um, please, uh, please sign up. It's one of the easiest, but it's a very fruitful way to, to serve is to usher. You're all qualified. You can do it. It's uh, not hard, but you get to say hello to a lot of people as you uh, enter. It's a great way to get to know some people, too, uh, at least the faces, so that when you're out in public and you see them in the grocery store or other places around town, you know you have a brother and sister in Christ. So it's a good way to, to recognize some faces. Also, um, next week's uh, sermon will be on Romans 9, the entire, uh, chapter, the entire chapter, if you are um, keeping ahead on the reading. Um, and I'll try and put that in the ePastor News every week, how much we will be covering in the sermons every Sunday. So, any joys or concerns? All right, yes, Kathy. Wow. I remember that year. Awesome. Did I announce that we're doing baptisms next Sunday? I didn't think I did. Thanks for bringing that up. That was the very first thing on my list. See, I don't even follow my list. Very. Yeah, so uh, if everybody could hear that, uh, jo- Joanne is uh, healing well, and uh, the food tidings, thank you for everybody who takes part in that. Al is also healing well. Um, thank you. Where? You? Right there. Miss. So now you know who's teaching. So, <laughs> Jenny.
How many trips did it take? Because that was a lot of stuff. Wow. Okay, I had to have. I mean, it was the whole, that whole side of the narthex out there, or entryway, was full of stuff. It was amazing. You guys are so generous. Any other? Yes, Bonnie. Prayer for Molly. Um, she's having her tonsils and ulnoid. Adenoids. I was like, I thought that was a mint. So <laughs> I don't even know any of this stuff. I'm what? A, I was like, but yeah. So that's Thursday, correct? Tuesday. Oh, jeez. Yep. And who do we got? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if everybody's been aware of the Nepal earthquake. Um, there was a, a large earthquake in Nepal. Um, my son and daughter-in-law went there and taught Greek at a seminary. And their professor that they went with is there right now. And they've had contact with him. And it's a very large number of death. I can't remember. How, I want to say it's... Oh, how many? Okay, 2,200 is what it's gone up to now. It was 1,400 last I saw, but wow. And the buildings and the pictures they've sent me are just devastating. So um, pray for, for that um, community. Um, yes. Okay. They're good. Okay. Do you know who? Obviously, you know. Okay. Okay, so we have two locals there um, that will be in the mix helping, I'm sure. That's what Gunnison does. He's a paramedic. Wow, isn't that great? That's, that's amazing. That's amazing how the anointing happens, where we are in the right place at the right time a lot of times. So. All right, well, let's sing Alleluia to the Lord. Sing Alleluia to the Lord. Everybody have a blessed day.